Well, those of you who follow the show know I, I don't have the highest of hopes for Colorado in 2022, but their game on Friday against TCU has a chance to completely flip the script on how we all view the Buffs this upcoming season. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you are listening to or watching the show. I appreciate all of you out there who have done so already. And I am thrilled to be joined for the first time today by Steve James. Get used to hearing the name in the show here, Pac-12 fans. He is the new host of Locked On Buffs, talking all things Colorado Buffaloes. The show is available. Hopefully the first podcast will be up before the game on Friday. But get ready to go check him out for all of you Colorado fans out there. Steve, my man, it is great to have you here at the Locked On Network. And, boy, I'm sure you are just as ready as I am to start talking about some real tangible football. You can't. You have no idea. I mean, the game is for CU comes up on Friday, a couple days. Honestly, I'm so jacked. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a great game. It absolutely. Uh, I I think it will be kind of reminiscent, somewhat uh, of the Texas A&M game from uh, a year ago, which I'll get your thoughts of here today on the show. We're recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon, dropping Thursday morning. Game Friday night. That's the timeline. Everything a little bit more condensed, a little bit more urgent here as the season is really getting underway uh, but Steve you, you follow that program as close as anybody that I know maybe closer than, than anybody I know on a personal level so going into this game uh, against TCU in which Colorado is a massive home underdog to a team that was under 500 in, in 2022 in TCU they were five and seven did not make it to a bowl game how are you feeling right now going into this game against the Horn Frogs you know what? I feel pretty good. You know, we have a uh, you know new offensive coordinator. We've got a, a lot of new pieces coming into play here for the Colorado Buffaloes here in 2022. So I'm I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I think it's going to be a team that's um, from what I hear from Coach Durrell, that's really tight knit, uh, really gritty. Uh, looks like they're going to you know you know play well together, and I think they're going to come out you know ready to stampede and you know run on Folsom Field on Friday. So the the, the good news is I believe it is Ralphie four will be out in full force. Yes, Ralphie, four, or is it six? It's six. Four or six? It's six. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I had the the V and the I backwards in my head. Common mistake in Roman numerals. Happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Certainly does. But (laughs) arguably the best live mascot in college football, and Ralphie will be out there. And the good news for Colorado is – everybody's got the same record right now, right? Is you go into this game, it's not like uh, a game, you know, it's different than being a two-touchdown home underdog late in the year if your team is already under 500 at that point, right? I I think that an advantage for Colorado in this game and why I think that 13.5, 11.5, depending on where you look, that, that point spread number, it's very, it is very tantalizing there because Colorado... You know, I I have concerns and reservations about them for for this upcoming season, Steve. But 
in that first game, we saw it with Texas A&M a year ago. You can punch above your weight a little bit because you're, you're just everybody's on the same level record-wise, and so everybody has the same hope, optimism, and energy for the season at hand. Yeah, no, exactly. And Texas A&M game was a great example of, you know, being underdogs, coming to that stadium and trying to go ahead and get a win out. It went neck and neck to the last couple, you know, minutes of that game. So it could have went either way at that point. So right now, CU, I think, is going to come out ready to rock and roll. And, you know, right now, from what I have seen in practice, you know, there's anxious, I'm sure TCU as well, to get on the field. But honestly, you know, since being, you know, a CU fan since I was a kid and, you know, love this team, I'm a little, you know, I lean towards that side. I want them to do well, but I have a feeling that they're just going to be ready to rock and roll on Friday, and they're, you know, they're going to have a lot to, you know, deploy in the field. I know TCU is also, you know, bringing a lot as well. A lot of a new coach, a new OC, uh, you know, probably a new uh, air raid offense coming with them. You know, the, uh, was it Garrett Riley from SMU with uh, Sunny Duke? So, you know, it's going to be a lot of new things going on. You're going to see a, a new offense in CU. I mean, it can't be any worse than last year that. Offense was atrocious last year for Colorado. But, I mean, this year, hopefully it's going to be a lot better uh, with uh, Mike Sanford. Uh, and you know what? It just it just feels like a more healthier team, a more uh, renewed team. Last year, they started a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores. Uh, yep. Now those freshmen are, are sophomores. Those sophomores are juniors. They got a lot of playing time. Um, so I have a, I'm pretty optimistic. I want to see what this team makeup is going to be about and what they're going to be. Um, and I'm sure TC is waiting for the same thing to see what they're going to be about. So, yeah, the Horn Frogs fans are, are hoping Sonny Dykes can can roll in there and have success right away. And it's not going to be an easy environment. I've said for a while here on the show, that I think Colorado probably has the most underrated home environment in, in the Pac-12. You know, at the top of the list, certainly you've got your Oregons, your Utahs, and Washington as well. Washington State can get pretty raucous, but it's not a huge stadium up there in Pullman. But the, the stadium there in Boulder, it's got a good size to it. Fans are loud. They show up. They will be creating that sort of home field advantage, which is why, to me, it's all the more surprising that clearly the public is just not buying Colorado here. It opened around eight and a half uh, to eight, depending on where you look. It's well into the double digits, no matter which sports book you, you check out. What do you make of it being such a, a big public perception gap? Because a three to five point movement in a betting line that is that's astronomical you know i saw eight and i thought boy that's a little high but maybe about right i probably would add tcu at you know maybe six or seven because the game is in boulder and have it be maybe closer to 10 if it were being played down in the dallas fort worth area but when you see that line and see that your buffs are going in as almost a two-touchdown underdog at home in week one, what do you make of that? Honestly, I think it just comes down to, you know, people are basing, you know, what Colorado is going to be this year, what they were last year. And their offense was one of the worst offenses in all of NCAA Division One football, F1 Division One football. Uh, ranked way towards the bottom. So they're not expecting much of CU to, you know, make progress when it comes to an offense. And I get that. They were not great in offense. Defensively, they were pretty good. They were middle of the road. You know, they were a good defensive team. But I think they're just expecting that air raid offense coming into Boulder, you know, with um, Garrett Riley. You know, SMU, uh, when they were, Sunny Dukes and Garrett Riley were at SMU, you know, they would have like, what was it, like the 13th ranked total offense 
offense in all of college football. So they had, you know, that offense where they were actually, you know, stellar. So I think they're expecting that offense to come into, you know, TCU and bring that all those weapons because TCU has got weapons at the wide receiver position. So. Well, we're going to talk about uh, the Colorado players to watch in this game, specifically at the quarterback position, because as of right now, Colorado has not named a starter at the quarterback position. Who might it be? J.T. Shrout or Brendan Lewis, the 2021 starter of, as we mentioned, one of the worst offenses in the country. We'll get to that after I tell you about Bet Online, the number one source for all your pro and college betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, MMA, boxing, and my personal favorite golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we keep rolling here with Steve James. He is at Steve James DNVR on Twitter, the new host of Locked On Buffs. That show is launching shortly on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. The biggest question for any team going into a season, unless there's a clear-cut favorite, but that is not the case for Colorado, is Who's the quarterback going to be? Washington within the last uh, a couple weeks named Michael Penix their starter. Oregon at this time has not officially declared Bo Nix the starter, but it's understood that that's sort of the case. And everybody else kind of has a clear picture, right? Washington was the only one where there was any doubt. Washington State, you had Cam Ward come in from Incarnate Ward. You knew he was going to be the starter. Jaden Delora goes down to Arizona. He's clearly the best quarterback on that roster, and it's not particularly close. Emory Jones comes in via the transfer portal from for Arizona State. It'll be McKee at Stanford, Plummer at Cal, DTR at UCLA, Caleb Williams at USC, Cam Rising at uh, Utah, most likely Chance Nolan at Oregon State. But the one that is left up in the air, Steve, is Colorado. You've got Brendan Lewis, who completed just under 60% of his passes a year ago as a freshman. JT Shrout is coming off of an ACL injury. There hasn't been a starter named, and I think that's indicative of the fact that this has probably been the the most real and most competitive quarterback battle in the Pac-12. So right now, where does it appear that Carl Durrell and offensive coordinator Mike Sanford are leaning for the starting QB on Friday against the Horned Frogs? Yeah, you know what? It's been pretty much been neck and neck. Uh, I know that uh, Brandon Lewis got the bulk of the snaps when it came to spring. Uh, JT's kind of come on here in the fall to kind of share, split those first string snaps. Um, JT Stroud is coming off a uh, you know injury, so they're trying to you know work him into the the first team reps right now. Um, and when it comes to Brandon Lewis, he's the incumbent you know starting quarterback for the CU Buffs. So it's a matter of, you know, who fits Mike Sanford's offense the best. From what I'm hearing, they're both picking up really well. And it's a matter of, you know, who are the, who's going to get the nod. I, from what I know, they've already announced inside the locker room who the quarterback will be. We'll just all find out here on Friday. If I had to give a slide edge to one of the quarterbacks right now, I probably would give it to Brandon Lewis just based on him wanting to go ahead and actually prove something this year. But also being, you know, the incumbent quarterback for last year i think he has the tools to be a you know a solid quarterback this year i think jt will get a chance this year as well to play but i think it's all a matter of you know when but i think brandon lewis does start the season though do you think there's any 
possibility that we could see what Michigan has announced they're going to do with their two quarterbacks, which is start Caden McNamara in game one and start J.J. McCarthy, a former five-star quarterback recruit, in game two. Now, neither Lewis nor Shrout are a highly touted quarterback prospect coming from the high school ranks like that. I think it's a little different. You know, I, I literally just had this thought, which is why I'm kind of going back on what I'm what I'm asking here, but I'll still pose the question to you. It's a little different because Michigan has a couple of cupcakes to start the year, so they're they can afford to start two different quarterbacks. But Colorado, if things let, let's let's look at it like this. Say Brendan Lewis yeah. comes out against TCU and the offense doesn't reach the twenty point threshold. Is it a close enough to battle to where in week two against Air Force, the Buffs will roll out JT Shroud as a starter? You know what? It all depends on performance. You know, I think it depends on if we see a repeat of Brandon Lewis last year where he was kind of more timid, uh, not one let the ball go, and he didn't want to cause a turnover to cost his team, a, you know, a bad field position or even a loss. So he held, held on the ball too long, and that caused a lot of his, you know, hesitation going on. So we need Brandon to come out and to not be afraid and to go ahead and pull the trigger and to put the ball downfield. Um, if we sense that same hesitation in live game action, because in practice we hear that he is, Brandon Lewis is, you know, ready to go. He is a whole new player. He is, um, you know, ready to take on that, that next, take that next step in his, you know, in his career and his plan on being a player for the CU Buffs. But if we get that repeat, you know, playing, I would not be surprised if JT does not, you know, get the nod the next week at that time on, because I think CU wants to go. They want to be good. I think the team as a core is actually really solid. So I think they feel like, you know, last year was last year. Let's move forward. Let's be a great team here in 2022. So it's a very short leash. So I would I would agree to that. Um, but I, it all depends on performance. You know, if we sense the same hesitation, even if they do put 20 up, there could still be a trigger pull for probably JT because I think this team just wants to go and, and move up as fast as they possibly can. So. Unfortunately for Colorado, one of the headlines this offseason was uh, the number of players, or more specifically, the actual players, like the, the guys that they lost to the transfer portal. Everybody had departures. Everybody had, you know, you know, players that they brought in. But you look at guys like Jarek Broussard or Brendan Rice, uh, the team's probably best receiver from a season ago. You lose Blackman and Gonzalez on the secondary. Those, those are really key losses. Let, let's start on the offensive side. Who's going to fill those voids? Alex Fontenot still projects to be the lead uh, running back for Colorado this year, but he and Broussard both played quite a bit in in 2021. So who do you think fills that slot? And uh, perhaps more importantly, because you have Fontenot there, who fills the void left by Brendan Rice? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, we also lost uh, Dimitri Stanley also, you know, transfer portal left as well. So we've got a lot of young receivers this moment in time. Um, you know, we've got uh, Maurice Bell, you've got uh, Chase Penry, we've got uh, Daniel Arias, uh, we've got a freshman named uh, Jordan Tyson. So there's there's some depth there, wide receiver, a lot of, you know, uh, great potential there, wideouts. Uh, Brendan Rice, it definitely is a loss when it comes to not having him part of our, you know, club anymore, uh, getting transferred to C at, getting transferred to U- uh, USC. But, you know, we still have a solid core wide receivers to go ahead and, you know, help us you know, get the ball downfield. Uh, when it comes to running back, you know, we did lose Broussard to Michigan State. Uh, but we also do have, you know, we do have uh, Fontenot. We do have um, Stacks. Uh, we also, who else is there? Uh, 
Uh, I forgot the other guy. But anyways, uh, when it comes to the depth of running back, I think it's there. Fonsino was a starter at one point. Just Broussard came in two years ago and took that position, and Fonsino was injured. Um, so right now, Fonsino comes back in that leading you know, position running back spot. So it's going to be him and also... Um, I forgot the other guy's name. Can't forget it right now. But Stacks is going to be there. So we've, we've got some good position players. Backups are going to come in and play. On the back end, Luzi Gonzalez. That's 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 a hard one because he was such a good, you know, corner. Um, and honestly, our, our our probably our our youngest positions on our team is going to be the cornerbacks and the DBs on our team. Uh, they're pretty young. Uh, they all played last year almost as true freshmen. So that's going to be where, you know, we have not a lot of depth at is that, you know, cornerback and DB. But hopefully, you know, with last year them playing and now playing this year, they can get some more experience and, you know, go up against the, the um, all the rest of the, the Pac-12 teams and, you know, do their best. So offensively what about the the baylor transfer wide receiver whose name is also eluding me at at, at the moment oh rj uh, sneed rj rj sneed yeah that's the guy yeah. See, it happens it happens to everybody first first yeah. show hundredth show doesn't matter sometimes <laughs> names just go just go right out of your head but that that's a guy who i think catches your attention when when you're going through it and looking at a team's recruiting class and transfer portal class for a, a given season because baylor has had no shortage uh, of explosive capable wide receivers over the years and you figure or i wonder if you feel this way steve is that a guy who who might factor heavily into the offense or do you think the other guys who who you were just listing are, are going to be a step above him you know, it's hard to say in R.G. Snead. I mean, he comes with a lot of accolades from Baylor, and he's a transfer guy that came in. But when it comes to – we haven't seen a lot of him. We haven't seen him play a lot. We saw a little bit of spring practice. Uh, he's been kind of kept on the side, um, getting ready for this you know, opening uh, game for CU. So, you know, he's a player we haven't seen a lot of. Um, so it's kind of – we know what's, what, we, what we saw at Baylor, but we just don't know what we have seen here on you know, in CU practice. Um, also, we have a – uh, offensive lineman from Alabama that came here called Tommy, named Tommy Brown. Uh, has not played a lot, coming off an injury as well. So he's going to play. First time we're going to see him in that game action is going to be on Friday too. So there's a lot of new things going on for this CU team, a lot of transfers. So those two guys, RJ Sneed, Tommy Brown, guys we haven't seen yet at practice too much, but now we're going to see a, hopefully a lot more of on Friday. So. And I think Tommy Brown is a guy that Colorado might need to step up because the offensive line was one area that that certainly didn't help Brendan Lewis at the quarterback position a lot in, in 2021. Yeah. He, he was running a lot, and you see that with young quarterbacks having happy feet. You get happy feet a lot more often when you're under pressure uh, pretty regularly. Let's turn it back to the game specifically against TCU. The Buffs are clearly sure. a big underdog here, even though they're at home. But if Colorado is able to get the upset, a number of things will happen. Number one, I'll have to come on here on the podcast and take an early L for uh, some of my season predictions. Just be a big, big early L right there on the forehead like Smash Mouth said. But the other thing they could do is kind of invigorate that locker room off of a 4-8 and eight season and and just jumpstart things in what is a brutal non-conference schedule that features TCU at home, at Air Force, and at Minnesota. There aren't really any Pac-12 non-conference schedules tougher than that, save for probably Oregon, who's got Georgia on the road this week, and then BYU in a couple weeks, who's a preseason top 25. If Colorado's going to pull this upset, Steve, 
What do you think needs to happen? What would you say are the biggest one or maybe even two keys to the game for Colorado to be able to come out and knock off the Horn Frogs? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that's going to have to happen, we need the quarterback play. The quarterback play has got to be on point. Either that's going to be Brandon or JT. We just need to have confidence at that position that they're going to go ahead, go ahead and start the game and just come out lights out. Don't be afraid. Like you're saying, you know, he ran for his life last year. Just the O-line play wasn't the greatest. Just have confidence. Hopefully they come out, play strong, and just get vertical with the ball. Get the ball downfield so we can, you know, get some points on the board. Um, it's all about just gaining momentum and just, you know, getting some kind of traction going. I think that's the biggest thing. Either that's the running game that needs to get going or the passing game got, has to get going early. Just to show and, and for the players to feel confidence that, hey, last year was last year. This year is going to be a whole new year and they're going to come out hopefully lights out. And honestly, in the flip side, it's going to be on defense. You know, are they going to be able to uh, stop that Garrett Riley air raid offense? that potentially may be coming to town you know can the defense and the young corners and dbs you know you know stand up to that matchup it's going to be an interesting situation to see if the young corners can actually you know you know cover those all those wide outs and all those different plays going on in offense for garrett riley and sunny duke so it's going to be our young dbs on defense and it's going to be can the quarterback play you know be better than last year and also be able to put points on the board and get some traction going here in 2020 yeah that's arguably the toughest position group for young players to incorporate themselves the secondary because communication is so paramount i think offensive line is probably second because you have uh, pass protections and you know different run run blocking assignments communication and continuity is really important on the old line but i think on the back end of the defense you know if you have a miscommunication on the offensive line it's a loss of five yards and your team probably you know, assuming everyone is able to hold on to the football, still has the ball and still has a chance to, to make something out of the drive. You have a miscommunication on the back end of your defense of the secondary. It could be a 50-yard touchdown, and, and that's just something that uh, I'm with you. Colorado has got to be able to avoid. And if I'm TCU and, and head coach Sonny Dykes and their OC, then, yeah, I, I am slinging it around. I, I am testing the Colorado secondary and saying, Hey, you may have a couple of, of players up front. I know Darrell in uh, the early part of fall camp was, was was praiseworthy of some of the defensive linemen uh, that, that Colorado has, particularly at the edge positions. But I think if you're TCU, you come out and say, yeah, we're going to sling it around and see how your pass defense can hold up because a season ago it, it just wasn't quite there. What concerns you most about TCU going into this game? You know what? I think it's about the running game because last year TCU had a had an excellent running game in the in the Big Twelve, and uh, I know with this air raid offense, it's more pass heavy as opposed to run running heavy. So I'm interested to see if they're going to go ahead and actually deploy that rushing attack as well as they did last year. I know Evans um, has left TCU, but they do have uh, who is it? They do have uh, Miller. Uh, who's just as good as Evans. They do have Dean Mercado, who is uh, super quick. He can get to the outside. So they do have weapons at the running back position. So I'm interested to see. I know they're going to throw in our DBs. That's just going to happen because they know our DBs are young and you know they don't have that experience. Um, so I'm just interested to see that running game. If that running game is going to be a big part of you know, get Riley's offense for this game and just kind of see how they, you know, how they, you know, do the pass and also do the running that game. So it's going to be 
the biggest threat because their run game last year, they just pushed people off the line and Evans just kind of, you know, went to the gap and just did one move and was gone. So I'd be curious to see, you know, if they're able to balance it or just more pass heavy. So, yeah, when you're going in, in with an air raid offensive attack, everybody's always focused on how many times you'll throw it and, uh, you know, the, the short passes that are basically their running plays quote-unquote, but what I've noticed with Mike Leach offenses over the years, and I remember this from his time at Washington State, is what can happen when you throw the ball, you know, seven, eight times in a row, the defense and the linebackers start to sit back a little, and after the snap, their eyes are first darting outside to a receiver, and that opens up a lot of space between the offensive line and the second level. They can get up there, and you can pretty easily gash uh, the opposing defense for a five, six-yard gain uh, from from time to time, oftentimes more. I mean, I remember Max Borgie, you know, sometimes they'd run it with him on, on third and seven, third and eight, or third and ten, because if the defense is dropping eight, you just have a light box, and you can get the numbers and run it well. So uh, I like what you're saying there, too. Uh, last thing on this game before I ask you about the other games around the conference coming up this weekend of what is going to be a fantastic slate uh, of college football, specifically in the Pac-12 with storylines they are plentiful, shall we say. What's your prediction for, for this game uh, against TCU for, for the Buffs? Final score. You know, I've got, uh, I have T, uh, CU with 27, and I've got TCU with 20. Mm, low score, little little low score. I think that favors the Buffs. I, I, I agree with the sentiment there. If Colorado's going to win that game, you got to have TCU under 30 points because I, I don't know that even with a new offensive coordinator, you know, that's different than last year. It's still a new system, and it, you haven't had a clear quarterback, you know, necessarily all of fall camp. And, you know, whether it's Brendan Lewis or JT Shroud, I think it'd be tough for them to come out in, in week one with, uh, w- with the offensive changes they've had and expect them to put up, you know, 35-plus points to, to, to win the game. But uh, Steve is rolling with the buffs tomorrow against uh, TCU. Uh, before I let you go, and uh, for those of you who have forgotten, because I've only said it once, to be fair, Steve James is the host, uh, the new host here at the Locked On Network of Locked On Buffs. Everything you need to know about the Colorado Buffaloes coming to a YouTube or podcast platform near you very very soon what else are you excited to watch uh, around the conference of champions this weekend there are a lot of big games a lot of important games that are maybe a little more under the radar like arizona san diego state you know what a big win that could be for jed fish they're only six point underdogs going at san diego state a lot to watch for but what what excites you the most about this upcoming weekend of football besides of course the obvious that colorado plays on friday exactly exactly i mean the Colorado game is me my 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 one game i can't wait to get down sit sit down and watch that game but honestly he's looking at that utah florida game uh, i just i like i like the matchup i also like uh potentially you know if utah beats florida can they go ahead and keep that ranking where they're at now um and they're going in i think it's in it's in florida correct it's not yep, in utah. it's in gainesville down okay. in the swamp chomp, so, chomp. I mean, utah i mean <laughs> so no you're fine so utah is uh you know they're they're ranked high, so they they need to go out and prove that they actually can you know stay at that ranking, and they're gonna have a you know a, a hard game out of the gauntlet. So I think that's the game I'm more curious to see to see how good if if Utah is you know at that ranking, can they hold it and can they go ahead and and you're gonna have to beat Florida pretty pretty good you know to keep that spot. So there's a lot of moving factors there for Utah. Um, are, are they the highest ranked uh, Pac-12 team, Utah? They, they are. They are indeed. Yeah, they're okay. at seven. Okay. USC is 
uh, I think they're 14, Oregon's 11 in the AP poll. I, I think AP and coaches, you know, uh, toss stuff around a little yeah. bit and don't line up perfectly. But I, I think that that is such an important game because that's that's the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 this year, right? Or at least coming yeah. into this season. And you never know how things can, can unfold in a given year. But you put up your reigning conference champion – even if you're on the road in a raucous environment, that's a first-year head coach. Kyle Whittingham is an 18th-year head coach, and it's a Pac-12 champion, and it's a 6-7 and seven, or a reigning 6-7 and seven Florida team that, that's got a lot of transition over there with players in the new staff. I think Utah, it's really important for the Utes to go down for the sake of the Pac-12 and, and win that game big. I think they'll at least cover. They're only minus three. I mean, the odds markets oh, wow, think okay. it'll be close which I think is is pretty low. I think that number's uh, pretty appealing. I'll be doing uh, some Pac-12 uh, best bets uh, tomorrow on the show as we look ahead to what will be an exciting weekend, and it's an exciting time because we've got Locked On Buffs now. Steve James is his name, at Steve James DNVR on Twitter. Steve, it's great to have you on, and we look forward to having you back here on the show and can't wait to listen to you over on Locked On Buffs. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. Lockdown buffs. Check it out, guys. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.